church benches and into the trenches. Let's make a righteous ruckus. Hi, welcome back to the, another episode, this week's episode of the Righteous Ruckus Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Lowe, and this week I actually want to um, go um, explore, this is probably my favorite argument for God from um, the different arguments that there are. You know, we, we kind of set the set the foundation with that that one, it, it, does truth exist, where we showed that that does exist, and then uh, last episode I did was um, the moral argument, which is probably one of the more nebulous arguments to kind of wrap your head around. So this is a lot more, I don't know if you want to say easier to comprehend, but definitely more tangible for the human brain, if that makes sense whatsoever. So uh, this one's called the cosmological argument. And so um, does God exist? Of course he does. Um, or, you know, really, some people will say there's there's these people called materialists out there that um, think that all we are is just there's space, time, matter. That's it. There is no there's nothing besides matter. You know, even even your thoughts aren't really even anything but just uh, molecules in motion, you know, as, as some atheists have put it. So, you know, that and it really doesn't make sense because. Like I've heard Frank Turt say, then, then why would you believe your own arguments? Why would you believe anything that you think if all it is is just random chemical reactions? You know, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, is, is the material universe really all there is? Is that all there's been in the past, present, future? Is that is that it? Um, I don't think so. But so um, one approach to kind of kind of finding that is the what's called the cosmological argument. So. Uh, I'd like I'll probably break this down into like two podcasts because there's I've seen it broken down this way and I think it's helpful. Um, this podcast I'm going to focus more on the scientific thought of that, and then the next podcast or or in the future talk about the philosophical um, aspect of the cosmological argument. Which the reality is you can't have science without philosophy. Science is built on philosophy. You know, it used to seem to me before I even really got into apologetics or even thinking about philosophy, it, it used to make sense that people would be like, oh, well, you know, philosophy doesn't really matter. Science is what matters. That seemed like a logical argument when in reality, it can't be a logical argument without logic and law, laws of logic. So anyway, that's a deep way of saying that you can't have science without philosophy because science can be the house but philosophy is the foundation if that makes sense so this is kind of what the 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 cosmological argument when you break it down into here's that fancy word again a syllogy if you break it down into this this is what it goes like there's there's two premises and then a, and then a deduction basically you got whatever begins to exist has a cause the universe began to exist therefore the universe has a cause so uh, think about it. I mean, so I had a cause. I've not always been here. You know, one of the ways that I can tell I haven't always been here is because I'm getting older. And if I'm getting older, that means I was once younger. And plus I see, uh, you know, other people that didn't exist. And then all of a sudden they exist. So, um, it, it you know, that I, I know the cause of that. But um, so, I mean, is the first premise true, which whatever begins to exist has a cause? I mean, let's look at it, you know, believing that something can just pop into existence, 
kind of like, you know, that's, that's, that's a bigger stretch than just believing in magic. Like if you see like a David Blaine or a David Copperfield or something like that, you know, where you, you know there's a trick behind it. Um, believing that things can just pop into existence, you know, really that's a, that's a further stretch than just believing that that magician is really doing magic. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> but people believe that people really do. They believe that now let's look at some, a couple Bible verses to kind of establish this, whatever begins to exist as a cause. Let's see what the Bible says about the beginning of everything, right? The beginning of the universe. So John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word, uh, was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And, you know, that's specifically talking about Jesus, but what's saying is Jesus, who is God. So, God in the beginning, which is in the beginning of everything, the beginning of the universe, there was God. God made it everything. There was nothing that was made that God didn't make. Makes sense, right? And then Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. This is one of the places where you get that he is the creator and the sustainer of the universe, right? So not only did he did he create it, so like a, a deist would think that God kind of wound up the universe and set it loose, right? And that's what a deist kind of believes. You know, like Thomas Jefferson is accused of being a deist, even though when you when you kind of read some of the stuff he says, he obviously wasn't a, just a deist. He believed that God could interact. So the thing is, God didn't just wind it up. That's what that Bible verse is saying. God created it and sustains it. In other words, basically every atom, every molecule is held together and the laws of nature are the way they are because God holds them in the way that they are, if that makes sense. So I mean, God is not only the creator, but the sustainer of the universe. Things have reason and direction. You know, if you cut your hand, like if I'm working in the garage and I cut my hand and it starts bleeding and I put a Band-Aid on it or whatever, I'm not worried about, well, man, I hope it heals up into a, some skin and not a rhinoceros horn or a tree starts growing out of that thing. No, because my our bodies are programmed by the creator and the sustainer to do things in a certain way. They have a direction, right? They have a direction programmed to them because they have meaning and our universe has meaning. That's just one of the ways to prove that, you know, if something can come into existence just randomly, why doesn't, why don't we see it that happening all the time? Why, if it's so easy for things to just pop into existence, why don't we see that? You know, we don't, we don't see that in everyday our everyday experience and even scientific evidence confirms that that's not the case. So it confirms that if something begins to exist, it must have a cause. You know, what about the second premise? Did the universe just begin or has it always existed, right? The second premise is that the universe exi- uh, began to exist, right? So atheists really don't like that. You know, they said things like the universe is just there. That's all. You know, because if you have a universe that came into existence, then it had to have something that caused it to create to be created in the beginning, right? If it's just existed forever, then that doesn't have to have a cause and doesn't have to have God, right? 
So that the universe is um, slowly running out of usable energy. That's look at that's the second law of thermodynamics. It's basically saying everything's going to seek equilibrium. So you got you got heat in this star that's burning out is going to gradually heat up the cool stuff in the universe, and eventually everything is going to be at equilibrium, right? And so the thing is, we know that things aren't at equilibrium now and that it's slowly running out of energy so if the universe existed forever in the past then it would have ran out of energy by now think about that if it's infinitely if it's always been there and it's running out of energy now well if it's always been there then if it had infinitely existed then it would have already ran out of energy and be at equilibrium by now that's just and that's a little bit of philosophical but that's just You can't really separate the two, like I said, science and philosophy. So the second law of thermodynamics points us to a universe that has a definite beginning. And actually, this was confirmed. And I'm getting a lot of this information, right, from um, William Lane Craig is a great resource on this. And also Frank Turek is a great resource on this. So that's where I'm. I mean, plus, like I said, I got the Bible verses and you just use your trained thought process. But these these guys do a great job of explaining this. So I'm relying somewhat on, on what they've said. And I really enjoy the way that they put it. Um, so it really, if you look at 1915, Albert Einstein, that's when he came up with his um, theory of general relativity and kind of allowed the scientific community to talk meaningfully about the past history of the universe, because they didn't really have a good theory to, to kind of explain it all. And the, the, the concept anyway, until that, and then later, um, Alexander Friedman and um, George's lab, um, Lemaitre, if I said that right, I probably botched it, but they were working there, these two other scientists, they were working with Einstein's theory of relativity and um, they, with his equations, and they were able to kind of prove that the universe is expanding, right? So if the universe is expanding, then it had to have started somewhere, right? It had to have started somewhere. You know, in 1929, Edward Hubble, the Hubble Space Telescope, which was before this James Webb Telescope. You know, it was the like, it was the the standard of amazement before this James Webb Space Telescope was the Hubble Telescope. Well, in 1929, the guy that that's named after, he measured this red shift in light from distant galaxies. They could see this red shift over time, right? And so that was empirical evidence that the universe is expanding. You know. And so it, it's not only expanding, but that it began at a single point in a finite past, right? If, if it's expanding, it had to have started somewhere at some point at some time in the past, if it's expanding constantly into the future. So really, it's almost impossible to comprehend the significance of that, that proving that, right? And having that empirical evidence. And really, more recently, you got um, there's there's a, a, some guy, three guys called um, Arvin Board, Alan Guth, and Alexander Vilinkin, Right? They prove that any universe which has, on average, been expanding throughout its history cannot be eternal in the past, but must have an absolutely beginning. That just stands to reason, right? That it. And so you got people that say, "Oh, well, well, that it. Yes, it's expanding, but." This is just one of many universes, right? This universe started, but it's it, it's just one of infinite universes. We just happen to be at this universe 
at this particular time. You'll even hear them say, well, every, every decision you make launches a, another alternate universe. Like if you pull up to the stoplight and you turn right, well, there, there, there's an alternate universe where, where you turned left. And we just happen to be in the universe that you turned right. So there's an infinite. Every decision you make, every change is made that's just infinite. And all that is is an attempt to back it up to a point to where it's incomprehensible. And it sounds intelligent unless you really break down what they're saying, which is nonsense. Because even if you had infinite universes, which you can't, then they had to have infinitely started somewhere. All you're doing is backing, trying to back it up to a point where you can't see it anymore. And so you can kind of ignore that that beginning had to have been there. Because if this universe started sprung out from a decision made in another universe, and then that universe did from another universe, well, all you're doing is backing that up, right? You still can't be infinitely regressed to, to, to an infinite number of universes in the past, right? Or else this universe would have never existed. That's just the reality of it. But so the multiverse is really just, it's really kind of a pathetic example or a pathetic attempt to try to explain away um, our current universe and the beginning of it, right? Which, which really, the, 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 I say the beginning of the universe. Most people will call that the Big Bang these days. That's what you'll hear it called. It's the Big Bang, right? Now, did was there a beginning, of, a, a Big Bang? Possibly, you know. It's just like like Frank Turk says, I, um, it, there's a Big Bang. It's just I know who banged it, right? So that's the reality of it. And the funny thing is when you talk about the expansion of the universe, I've had situations where, um, in the past, where there's been, oh, I, you know, I've got into um, online discussions, right? Uh, uh, arguments or debates, for lack of better words. So, you know, somebody, you know, you always win in those rights. <laughs> um, so, anyway, but and this person was pretty, pretty on top of their game, you know, really, and so, but they had. It, they just kept insisting that no, I don't. I didn't realize that, and I couldn't was not comprehending that the universe started in an infinitely dense point where no matter existed. And I'm like, so nothing sprang into something. No, 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 no. It was infinitely dense. No, 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 you know, my rebuttal was it can't be infinitely dense. Oh, yes, it was. It was infinitely dense. And I said, well, then how did it expand? Well, it got so dense that it. It had so much energy, it expanded, and just is that 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 constant ex, expansion and contraction has been happening for eternity. I'm like, well, it can't be infinitely dense and then expand, or else it's not infinitely dense. It can be finitely dense and then expand, but it cannot be infinitely dense. Anyway, we got into a big discussion about that, and uh, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I gave him some food to think about, and he gave me some food to think about. Right? That's the way uh, debates work. And it was civil, you know. It was civil. He wasn't. He, you know, he. Uh, I don't even think in that sense. I don't even think in that instance. I got called names. Usually, you get called names, and basically, the first person to call somebody's names is you realize that they lost the argument because they, instead of defending themselves, they're just attacking the other person. But that's a whole issue on another level. There to so get back to this. That's just my experience in, in kind of trying to talk with somebody who didn't believe that the that the universe had a beginning, a finite beginning. But really, it's quite plausible that that both of those premises that everything that 
has a cause. Uh, let me go back up here. Whatever begins to exist has a cause and that the universe began to exist. So your deduction is true there. So the universe has a cause. Now that rises a bigger question, right? What could have caused the universe? So the universe can't cause itself, right? A rock can't make itself. The universe can't make itself. Something can't come from nothing. Existence can't come from non-existence, right? So whatever had, whatever cause the universe had, had to come from outside of the universe or outside of space, time, and material. Actually, Frank Turk puts it this way, and I like the way he puts it. You know, space, time, and matter had a beginning. Then the cause must be something beyond space, time, and matter. In other words, there must be a spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, and intelligent cause beyond the universe that brought the universe into existence. These just happen to be some um, attributes that we would call God, right? That's the, that's the reality. So the cosmological argument shows that, in, in fact, it's, it's actually reasonable to believe that God exists. Now, you got to dive deeper to see if it's the Christian God, but that those attributes that we would call God, you know, are the cause of the universe. So it makes perfect sense and it's, it's logically sound to say that the God exists because the universe exists. So basically, you know, what, what's there's the, the heavens declare his glory, right? So um, talking about heavens, let's look at the universe, right? The stars, the planets, the galaxies, the universe declares God's existence to everybody. And part of that is just the logical exercise of reasoning that the universe started somewhere. And what caused it to start would be God. Now, God is the uncaused first cause. As I think Aristotle put it, it's called the unmoved mover, right? So God has always existed, but because the universe um, became and it began to exist, it had to have a cause, and that cause was God. So next time, I want to kind of look at the philosophical side of this, which I guess is a little bit deeper because it's it's a little bit more nebulous as far as is the thought exercise, but it's just as juicy. It's just as effective, and so this is just one part of the cosmological argument. When it's cosmological argument, just a big word, a big way of saying, "Hey, the universe began to exist, so it must have been created by God." That's proof or evidence that God exists. Now, can I say that's one hundred percent? evidence that God exists? No, but the atheist also cannot say that's 100% evidence that the God that God doesn't exist. So anyway, uh, like everything, it's ultimately up to everybody's um, how they, th their view and their persuasions as to where they end up on this side, but it's a great, it's a great way, and most people have never thought of this, guys. That's the thing. Most people that you encounter and you say, hey, what about the beginning of the universe? I say, oh, yeah, the Big Bang. You say, well, let's talk about that. And when you break it down that space, time, and matter began to exist at one instant, well, it can't create itself and something can't come from nothing, which is the claim of the atheist. 
So when you break that down and you show them that the atheistic argument falls apart and that the theistic argument makes more sense, then hopefully that can begin to soften some hearts and uh, soften some consciences and help somebody to you know create fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to draw them closer to, to believing in Christ. So next time we're going to talk about the philosophical side of this thing or more in the field. I've already talked about some, but more in the philosophical side of things. So we'll see you next time.